0: friends and introverts welcome back to the you're so quiet podcast or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time as always i am your introverted host chelsea brown last week i asked for your scariest stories i asked for anything from scary encounters with another human to scary encounters with a ghost or like other paranormal thing and you guys delivered. As always, I love you all so much. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And because I can't shut up, I am going to share some of my own scary stories with you as well. If you follow the podcast, you know that I did this type of episode last year and the stories I'm going to share with you for me are different this year. So buckle up. But first, we are going to do our mental health check. As always, we're going to rate our mental health from one to five. One being horrible, five being amazing. I am someone who forgets or like purposely doesn't check in with myself. So, maybe you're like that too. So, this is like your weekly opportunity to be reminded to check in with yourself. And while you're checking in with yourself, I will tell you that I am currently (laughs) at a two. And it's been a rough week. Like, let's be honest. First of all, (laughs) I am recording this so late. So late. I usually record the week before the episode releases. So these episodes release on Tuesdays, I usually record latest, like Thursday, get my edits done by Friday, schedule it, and then have the weekend and not even worry about it. So, I'm not even worrying about it this weekend, and I realized at nine o'clock at night on Sunday that I had not recorded anything, I had not scheduled anything, I have not edited anything, so that's amazing, and it's been a rough week, and I've been very forgetful because the COVID has hit the house. So, and when I say the house, only my husband got it. I've been testing negative for the last 10 days, so I am crossing my fingers and hoping that it has passed us over. We had to do, like, the whole isolating thing. He isolated for five days, and then we were able to be together, but he had to wear a mask. We've been sleeping separately for the last week and a half. It's been, um, nothing short of torture, to be quite honest with you, I love spending time with my husband. He is literally my favorite person on the planet and I could not even be in the same room with him. I couldn't kiss him. Like, it was very, it was very annoying. I hated it. I hated every second of it. Don't want to do it again. Zero out of 10 recommend. So, that was really taxing on me. So, like, the second day of his isolation, I'm like, this is terrible. So, I pulled, I have this big, like, squishy armchair highly recommend you get a very squishy comfortable chair but I have it in my office so I dragged it maneuvered it out the door forgot how I got it in there in the first place put it on its side twisted it out the door pushed it down the hall to outside of his office his office where he's been isolating during the day obviously and then he goes down to the bedroom at night we were sleeping in separate rooms you get it his office has clear, like it has windows on it. it. has French doors essentially. And I just put my armchair outside the door. And does that sound clingy and crazy? Maybe, but honestly, <laughs> it made me feel better. It made him feel better. We literally could not touch for five days. It was terrible. And at night when we would normally watch TV together, I had my laptop, he would watch on his computer in his office. And we would do the watch party on Hulu and Disney Plus. I will just tell you right now that the Disney Plus one is so much better. <laughs> the one on Hulu tries. Um, it's not synced very well. It has a chat feature, which I thought was cool at first. But it like doesn't sync your video and will just tell you like, oh, you're out of sync. And we'll want you to speed up to the other person versus have the other person come back to you right? Because if I'm watching a show, I don't want it to be spoiled or be confused. Anyway, the Hulu one, kind of bad. The Disney one, much better. So, we did that. I've been testing negative, as I said. I'm hoping that we are out of the woods. We are past the recommended 10-day mask wearing slash isolation period. So, fingers crossed that that is behind us. I'm sick of it. I hate it. Do not recommend it. So, because of that, I have been isolated from him, my time of the month, quote unquote, was approaching. Uh, right before my period, I always get really emotional and like things that don't usually bother me at all are mission critical items. Um, Hate that as well, but I knew that it was coming. So I was like, all right, don't be upset. You're fine. It's literally, it's just hormones. Like just get over it. So because of that, I have been feeling pretty low the last couple days. In spite of feeling pretty terrible, I did finish the first draft of book number four. Yay, claps for me, circle, round of applause. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I love that for me. And I'm doing the Stephen King method of writing, which is finish it, forget about it for a couple weeks, come back, draft it again. And so, in the couple week interim, I am going to be working on some short stories that I'll be posting on Medium and, like, we'll see what happens. And I'm still querying my other book and the rejections are starting to hurt my feelings, to be quite honest. It's, like, really hard to be rejected over and over and over and over again. Is it unexpected? No. But do I want an acceptance? Yes, I do. So that's getting kind of difficult for me, to, for me to handle and I think after this next, after I hear back from all the agents I've queried so far, I think I'm just going to shelve the project for a little while. I haven't really given it too much thought, um, but I, I need to step back from something for my mental health and I think that's going to be the first thing to go. So yeah in other news i told you last week i'm back on my xbox grind i was playing assassin's creed origins i've already beat that game before like a year or two ago so i also downloaded far cry primal highly recommend however i will tell you that the first maybe two hours of gameplay are terrible and not maybe it's just me not terrible because the actual gameplay is terrible but because it is a true survival game it throws you into this world with little to no guidance, and you just kind of have to figure it out as you go. And so, for me, I played it weeks ago for an hour and a half, and I put it down. I was just like, I clearly don't get this game. I don't know if it's for me. The battle mechanics are kind of difficult, so I'm just gonna put that aside. But I picked it up this past weekend, and... Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good survival game and once you get into it and you start building up your village and you find out about the beastmaster thing, it's actually a good game and can can hold you hostage for a couple hours like it did to me this this weekend. So, I recommend that. So, While you are still thinking about your personal mental health rating for this week, I'm going to talk to you about our book, TV show, or movie of the week, which is going to be Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. I was hesitant to read this. I did see it on my book of the month and that's where I got it. But Deanna Rayborn and I, like, we don't really jive most of the time. I have tried to read some of her books before. The writing style is just honestly not for me. It's not It's not anything personal. Like, it's well written and the stories are good, but I just don't find that I am really truly immersed in the story. However, Killers of a Certain Age is like Golden Girls meets James Bond, and I love it. I have been reading it for the last couple days, and... In the mornings I usually just get right to work but since I've been on my off days I've been reading instead and I have been having a great time this book is funny it's witty it has a good plot line it has spy stuff it's feminist heavy like it's all the things that I'm looking for right now and I kind of wanted something away from the supernatural because I just finished Ordinary Monsters by J.M. Miro, which is not my recommendation this week. Not because the book is a bad book. I think it's a good book. I think it was, like, it was way too long. There was a lot of repetition and whatever, but I wanted something, like, scary but thrillery, and Killers of a Certain Age is really hitting that for me. It's essentially about four retired assassins slash spies And they have their little retirement party that their organization has arranged for them. And as it turns out, they have a hit out on them. And when they escape said retirement party, there's actually a bounty on their heads. So, these women are on the run while simultaneously trying to clear their name, which for them looks like offing the people who have a hit out on them. Honestly, not surprised. (laughs) It's probably what I would do in that situation if I were a trained assassin to... But the writing itself is what's really keeping me going. I really love the personality. I love how witty it is. It's funny. It's compelling, and I just really like it. I, I, it's been it's been a minute since I've had a book where I'm like, yeah, I really like it. It's like likable. It's not just like, ooh, the it's like so dark and broody or it's changed something about my life. No, I just really like the book. So, if you want something about assassins, if you like feminism, if you like Golden Girls slash James Bond this is a good book for you. Let's go ahead and get into our stories that you guys sent in. And of course, I'll share my own as well. I divided them into IRL horror, which is like everyday, not supernatural horror and supernatural horror. So, two different sections. And we're going to start with IRL horror because sometimes I think that... Like, ghosts, like, ghosts terrify me, okay? Like, let's be honest. But what's also very scary to me is that, is like, life in general, okay? I have not been diagnosed with any anxiety disorder or anything like that, but life literally terrifies me. I am terrified of being kidnapped. I am terrified of injuring myself, being in a car accident, losing people, everything terrifying. So, hearing what you guys are scared of, also terrifying. Okay, so let's just jump in, right? The first submission that I have is, quote, the only scary times I can think of is when my kids were in the hospital. My scariest times were anything that happened with my kids. Nothing really scary has ever happened to me. I think I'm just desensitized to the world. Um, Maybe so, but I will say this. I think that if you have children, there's like something in your brain that flips where literally the only thing that matters to you are these little creatures so the thought of them being in the hospital of them being hurt of them needing something of you failing them those are like the worst possible times and i do not want to have children and this particular submission did not make me want to have children okay i again am already terrified of life Okay, I don't need to just create this creature to make me more terrified of life. Okay, (laughs) okay, next. She says, my husband and I were at a bar and this guy was flirting with me and I flirted right back in front of my ex. Words were exchanged between me and my ex. I walked out of the bar and went to a payphone booth and was going to call someone I don't remember who. When I turned around, the ex was holding a metal trash can over his head, ready to throw it at the phone booth. And that's where it cuts off. I... Okay. Let me start. Let me just throw in a disclaimer. Obviously, not all men. Okay. But literally, men are at the top of my fear list. 100%. I am afraid of being hurt, kidnapped, assaulted. Like, I am terrified. And I don't know what it is that has created well yes i do <laughs> there's this instinct within me to fear men and especially men who feel that they have been slighted in some way or feel rejected and again again disclaimer not all men all of my male listeners are in the not all men category you guys are amazing okay but there are men that frighten me because of this right? I hate the idea that if I'm out, right, if, if I were to ever leave my house, which honestly, never going to happen, but in the off chance I were to leave my house and some dude were to hit on me and be like, yo, can I get your number? And I'm just like, no, I'm not interested. The odds of him being upset with me or just chill about it are really 50-50. It's not, all right, cool, no problem, and then surprising when they're aggressive or pushy or whatever. It's truly 50-50. Um, so the thought of someone that I am with, I mean, clearly it it was not a good relationship. There were an ex. But the thought that someone I'm in a relationship with really feels that because they were rejected or felt emasculated or whatever, is really going to come after me and harm me? Terrifying. And speaking of, they say that, and I've, like, I've read this a lot. I've not done any research into this whatsoever, but the, the theoretical they says that you are most likely to be murdered by someone you know. How crazy is that? And that actually segues right into my next story, which is a listener submission. This listener told me to research Bison Dealey. I didn't know who the heck this person was. Okay, I, I'm not a sports washer, so I did not know that this was a pro basketball player in the 90s. So this guy played for the Chicago Bulls while Jordan was there and his last team was the Pistons and he seemed to have everything going for him. But he clearly was not happy, right? So he, while he's playing for the Pistons, he has five years left on his contract. He has thirty-six million dollars left on his contract, and he's just like, "Y'all, I'm retiring." And people are like, "What the heck?" So what this guy actually wanted to do is just go seek his own happiness, right? He didn't seem to. Get as much joy out of the game as some players do. So he's like, I'm gonna travel. He travels the world. He ends up buying a boat and he wants to go on a trip to Tahiti. So he takes his girlfriend and a captain and they're like ready to go to Tahiti, right? And his brother shows up. His brother, who, mind you, no one has heard from for four years, is homeless at the time, shows up to go on this trip that he was not invited to. Do I know how he found out that the trip was happening? No. That information was not provided to me. Little sketch, though. And Bison Dealey is like, this guy only shows up when he needs something, and usually it's money, so, like, what do you want now? And his brother, who goes by Miles, is like, no, I just want to come on this trip with you. And Bison's like, okay, cool. Let's roll. So, they set out July 2002 after a few days The satellite phone is shut off no one can contact these people there's no contact at all for 10 days the boat pulls into port with only miles on board no one else to be found bison and his girlfriend and the captain were supposed to still be somewhere but where no one knows it's suspicious but they're like okay the authorities are like all right i don't know what this is but fine like maybe he's still traveling because he had been traveling for years So, it was kind of written off for a little while. And then in September, someone is at a bank in Phoenix, Arizona, nowhere near Tahiti where Bison Dealey is supposed to be, and is trying to purchase $152,000 worth of gold. The bank calls Bison Dealey's executive assistant, who calls the police, who pick up the person who's pretending to be Bison, who is, shocker to no one, his brother, okay? His brother has his passport. Which is a little sketch because how is Bison gonna get back into the country? Questions we need answers to. So Miles admits that he, yes, I was impersonating my brother. I had forged his signature, but nothing else happened. And the police are like, okay, weird. And then Dealey's boat is found off the coast of Tahiti with the nameplate removed, registered under a different name, and it has some bullet holes in the boat, okay? Miles, after learning of this, flees to Mexico, and while in Mexico, he is confiding in his girlfriend, who rats him out. What he told his girlfriend was this. He and his brother had a heated altercation. His brother's girlfriend, Serena, tried to break them up, but was accidentally killed. Like, they pushed her back, she hit her head, she died. And then the captain wanted to call the police, so Miles killed him. And then Miles says he's afraid for his life, so he kills his brother too. And he says that he dumped all three bodies overboard. But the story doesn't really line up, right? And this is where I'm so confused. Why are you admitting to triple homicide, well, manslaughter, accidental death, and double homicide, I guess, if it didn't actually happen that way? The story doesn't line up because there's no blood on the boat, no sign of blood anywhere could it have been washed away by the elements? Possibly. Possibly. But apparently, where Miles said they had this fight, there's no sign of blood anywhere and the decking was not replaced. So, authorities are not convinced that this is what happened. The theory is that Miles actually forced these three people off the boat at gunpoint. So, he literally abandoned three people, his brother included, in the middle of the pacific ocean that already terrifying to me how are you trying what what were the thought processes that were going on in your mind for this particular the, i mean the logic is not logicking you are going to force me off a boat essentially kill me okay and then pretend to be me when no one has seen me for months i'm confused anywho Sometime later, in September of the same year, a body is found on a beach in Mexico. And this person had bodily damage. They were not yet dead. They had tons of injuries and had brain damage, apparently from an overdose. And this person slipped into a coma. With fingerprint analysis, people were able to identify the body as miles So, this man, who had theoretically forced his brother, his brother's girlfriend, and a third individual off a boat, effectively killing them, had ended up killing himself. This, for me, is really unsettling for several reasons. The first reason is that a very famous person (laughs) died and literally no one knew what happened. And to this day, by the way, this case is still considered open. It is not closed. There's no definitive answer about what happened because the only person, the only known person who has any information about what actually happened on that boat was Miles and he decided to end his own life. So, very famous dude, Bison Dealey, died or disappeared or whatever and no one actually knows what happened. Is he actually dead? Is he actually living in Tahiti just off the grid with his girlfriend and the captain? Like, what what happened? What happened here? And the fact that we don't know is even more scary. Number two, it still blows my mind that, like I said before, it's often people who are closest to you who are responsible for the murder, right? So, if a woman dies, most times in the true crime documentaries I listen to, um, people look at the husband first. Like, husband is the first suspect. If a man dies, his wife is the first suspect. So, it's almost always someone you know who does this to you. And I just don't understand. I don't un- The logic is, again, not logicing. It's freaky. The fact that people can disappear without a trace, no body found, no idea what happened to him. Bye. Just goodbye to all of that. To wrap up this IRL horror section, I'm going to tell you about the scariest thing that has ever happened to me with another person. And this is not like my trauma, so (laughs) you don't have to worry about that. So, my husband and I are living in Seattle. We lived in Seattle. In 2016, he works for Microsoft, so we had to move there for a period of time, and then they eventually let us come back. Anyway, we are driving our car in downtown Seattle, probably went to get food or something. I don't remember. We are going downtown. We are about to get on the 520 to go back to Redmond, okay? We are leaving the location when all of a sudden, this guy literally runs out in the middle of the road. And mind you, this is like a busy street, okay? It's not just us driving, but it's us in the front and then to our right is this woman on a motorcycle and then there's like five or six cars behind us and we all stop because this man is standing in the middle of the road. I don't know what this man's situation was. I don't know if he was experiencing homelessness. I don't know what the deal was, but the man literally runs out in the middle of the road which i thought was a little bit ironic at the time considering dude is carrying a cane so i don't know i don't know how he ran anyway so we're sitting there for a few seconds i'm looking at my husband he's looking at me we're looking at the guy we're looking at the motorcyclist and the guy is clearly waiting for something a little bit of time passes and the guy starts like, telling us to go, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And it's very clear that he wants us to hit him with our vehicle. Us hit him, one of the other cars behind us, the motorcyclist, he doesn't care. He just wants to be run over. I don't know what that's about. And my husband is a very good driver, luckily. So, this man is just slightly to the right of our car. And there's a little bit of space on the left-hand side of the vehicle so we could turn to the left a little bit and get around him easily. So, my husband puts the car in gear and he's like, let's go, we're getting out of here. So, he puts the car in gear, has a really good launch, like we're, we're getting out of there. The man sees us moving, runs at the car, hits the car, hits the car with his body, okay? We still have the dent on that car to this day from that man, okay? It's a very small dent, really from his kid. Anyway, so we go to the light and if you've never been to downtown seattle there's a lot of one-way streets this was one of them and it was like four lanes wide we are on the far left lane and this the cross street of the light that we come to is right like going to the right only so i'm like man that was crazy and then i turn around and i see the guy coming down the sidewalk and he is booking he's bo- okay he does have a limp But he is booking and I am terrified, right? So I'm like, I'm telling Donovan, I'm like, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And my voice was like really weird and high in my throat because I was terrified. That is genuinely the most frightened I have been in a very long time. So I'm like, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And Donovan's like, don't even worry. So he puts the car in gear and he gets to the front of the line, was able, like, he is. An amazing driver like like (laughs) he is such a good driver and he gets to the crosswalk line right so we we are at the front but the light is still red and he's like screw it so he just turns right across four lanes of traffic hoping to god that there is no one coming to t-bone us because the man is coming and then when we take a right i look look behind us and i see the guy at the corner like screaming and like he is very very upset and we got away fine but oh my god when i tell you that is that was terrible and ever since then i am terrified to go to downtown seattle generally speaking, because that was not the move. I did not like it. I was not a fan. This is why I stay home. People scare me, okay? I don't like very many people. I don't like love going out and then you make it this horrible experience. So that was terrifying. Zero out of 10 recommend. And with that being said, it is now time for our paranormal horror I have two really good stories for you, plus my own at the end, and mine is like a short little thing that I don't think I've mentioned before on the podcast. So, let's just get into it because these, both of them, gave me chills. So, she says, When I was small, we lived in a haunted house, and the only people home were my mom and me. Windows were closed and no TV or radio or anything. My parents had had some experiences with ghosts in that house before, but always convinced themselves there were logical reasons for things that happened. A hanger that randomly started spinning around and around a door handle. Screeching sounds in the basement, a picture frame being basically thrown across the room. They always told themselves it was nothing. My mom had me in the bathtub as it was filling up. I was two or so, so I was speaking broken sentences and was aware of things going on. She was filling the tub and she walked into the next room to go to the bathroom before giving me my bath. She suddenly heard what sounded like five to ten men talking, so she quickly pulled her pants back up and thought there were people outside, so she ran downstairs and looked everywhere but saw no one. When she ran back to me in the tub, she was yelling my name, and when she got to me, I said, sorry, mommy, couldn't hear you. People were talking. Excuse me? Excuse me? Okay, children say the most terrifying stuff. Goodbye? to the sorry mommy people were talking. Goodbye to that. Okay. <laughs> Jail. Bye. Goodbye forever. Second of all, I love how people are like, "Oh, a picture frame thrown across the room, you know, must have been the wind. Must have been the wind." Excuse? Like no. If something seems a little sketch, it's probably a little sketch. You know what I mean? That whole story is a no for me. You've I mean, if we're going to live in the same house, we've got to, we've got to coexist properly, you know? So, um, the five to ten men talking is a no. The hanger spinning around the door handle, it's a no. We gotta, we gotta come to an understanding. It's an absolute no for me. Okay, next story. He says, so ever since my company moved to this new office space, I've experienced some interesting encounters shadows of someone walking by standing in this distance watching me and i saw a little face watching me from the door window into the office i got a sense of a little boy i get a sense of an indigenous boy from long ago on the land and sold later in the years for development it doesn't feel like a threat more like it's curious i'm sure i'm sensitive to spirits and it's like they know i can see or sense them this is just the skin of the details so when he told me this naturally I'm like so let's have the details and he's like buckle up let's go he goes on so my manager sits one cubicle away from me and on his desk he has golf balls I'm sitting there and I see someone walking by then playing with the golf balls bouncing them on the desk so I thought it was my manager and I go over to look but no one was there I go around to see if they were hiding underneath her desk and there's absolutely no one there why because they're always messing with me so i just go over to see if they're really hiding just to remind you these cubicles have short walls so i can see over it if someone is standing next to me in the cubicle this was my first encounter all this happened within 10 seconds and to find out everyone had left hours ago so a few days later i found out a close family friend had passed away he passed away from old age and to find out he loved to golf i'm thinking it was him telling me he was leaving this world in advance So the office sits in the middle of this giant warehouse. I was in the office late, last one to leave for the day. And as I was wrapping up my gear on my desk, I see from the corner of my eye a little face peeking from the window door, watching from the warehouse. I noticed it very clearly and well detailed. I said to myself, did I really just see that or wasn't my eyes playing tricks on me? But it couldn't have been. Because that was a very clear, full detail of a little boy's face peeking through the window, looking at me, knowing there's no one else in the building with me other than myself. I had a sense I wasn't alone, knowing I was the only one there. Then, recently, I'm sitting there in the warehouse working, and I sense a little boy watching me from the top of the office area so when i looked up it vanished i can see a silhouette standing up there watching me there's no access to the top of the office because there's no staircase and the only way to get up there is a ladder so now i leave early i've changed my hours i don't plan on encountering these kinds of things but it happens when least expected this literally gave me goosebumps because again, with the children. With the children, it's a no. Living or ghost children, it's gotta be a no for me because, look, kids are terrifying. However, however, the family friend trying to tell you in advance, like, hey, I'm I'm leaving, you know, And maybe it's hard as a ghost. Like when you're about to pass away or you just passed away, maybe it's hard to communicate. So you're just like, I really like golf. There's golf balls. Let me go by this person. And like they know I like golf. So let me bounce the balls. And they'll see, you know, the golf balls and know that it's me. And maybe as a ghost, you're actually talking to them, but we can't hear you. Well, apparently children can hear you. A little terrifying. The little boy, I genuinely, I can't with the little ghost people. Um, it's just, he's just curious, right? I mean, his land was potentially sold for development. Probably all the land in America is stolen from somebody. So I, it's still, it's still going to be a no. It's still going to be a no for me. So I would like to wrap up by sharing a little like mini experience that I had I've told you all about my current house that I live in and we're not talking about that. If you want to listen to something about the current house I live in, I did talk about it in last year's Halloween episode. But this year, I'm going to talk about an experience I had in my parents' house in Ohio. So my parents really wanted a fixer-upper. So like we were looking high and low in Ohio because my stepfather was transferred to ohio for his job and they wanted to buy a house so he can retire anyway so we're looking for all these houses right and we finally settle on one and everything is fine the house seems fine but it is like an older house it's um, i want to say it was built in 1920 but that doesn't seem right but it's like an older house it's it's definitely not a new development kind of house okay so they purchased the house everything is fine I pick my bedroom between my brothers and I obviously we do the like the sibling thing Gage wanted the biggest bedroom Ben really didn't care I really didn't care we just kind of flipped a coin and I ended up with the one with the dormer window and Ben ended up with the one like right next door to mine so in mine all chill all chill at first and I always sleep with my door in my parents house at least I slept with my door open And every night, I would see this, like, old dude standing by the door watching me. And I could see, like, very distinct features. I could see height, eyes, facial features. I could only see that he was wearing dark clothing. I could see his hair. Like, it was this, like, old white dude. And when I tell you I was really not a fan... I mean, really not a fan. I'm just trying, just minding my business. And the thing is, is that he was only there when I turned the lights off. So literally the day we move in, I'm in my bedroom and I don't think we had any of our stuff yet. Like we might've had boxes or something and maybe a mattress or a sleeping bag, whatever. So, I'm, like, sleeping in the bedroom, but there's boxes and stuff everywhere. I'm in my little sleeping bag or the mattress or whatever, and I look by the door and I see this dude. I'm like, what the heck? So, I turn on my flashlight. No one there. That's weird. Turn off the flashlight. He there. Off. There. On. Not there. So, that night, I slept, needless to say, with the flashlight on. As time goes on, i kind of get used to it like he literally never moves doesn't say anything doesn't do anything just watches me and i really i think it kind of freaked me out but i didn't really get the feeling that this guy is trying to hurt me you know like he was literally just watching so um that was that and that's the story of the old dude in my parents' house. I don't know if someone passed in that house. I don't know if, like, the previous owners ended up passing away later. I don't know what the deal was. But I do know that this man, literally from when I lived there in eighth grade to when I left after high school, stood by my open bedroom door every night and watched me sleep. I don't think all, like, ghostly encounters are bad right the first paranormal story that we read with the men yelling and the the picture frame flying off the wall uh that seemed bad that seemed like the the spirits or whatever didn't want you there side note this person also shared with me that someone bought the house after them and experienced the same stuff goodbye <laughs> goodbye the house has got to go you know what i mean so i think things like that not ideal, right? The the ghostly creature, whatever, does not want you there. The little boy, curious. He's fine. The old man, it's a no, but also maybe a little nice. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, Um, but I don't think all all paranormal things are bad. I do think it is important to treat them as though they are, but I mean that in like in the same way that you wouldn't go up to a giant dog and stick your face in its face and hope that it's friendly, I do think it's important to not mess with the potential supernatural. Ouija boards, no. Uh, games where you say a certain name into a dark mirror at night, no. If you think that your house is haunted, talking smack about the potential ghosts in there, also a no. I would also like to remind you that that Halloween is supposedly said to be the time that the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest so maybe don't take that day as a time to like experiment with a ouija board or whatever you know stay safe out there don't 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 summon stuff don't do that don't do that i like i want to hear your stories on next year's halloween episode but also like be safe because i love you okay That is all we have time for this week. I don't know about you, but I am sufficiently spooked. As I say every single week, rate, review, subscribe. Please, thank you. I love you. I am going to go pretend I don't totally have to sleep with the lights on tonight. (laughs) All right, I will see you next week. Okay, love you. Bye.